go. You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Tuesday. It's October the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me, Pastor Mark Smith, as we take a look at the hymn, I Trust, O Lord, Your Holy Name. It was first published in 1533, had seven stanzas, and this hymn was by Adam Reisner. He lived from 1496 to 1582, and the hymn is a paraphrase of Psalm 31. In 1863, the English translation was done by Catherine Winkworth, who died in 1878, and it is something that we really enjoy. Catherine Winkworth is a translator of many of the hymns. This, by the way, is the hymn of the day for proper 24. And so that's why we're looking at it for this coming Sunday. It was also arranged by a good friend of mine, Henry V. Gerke, and he did the source as the accompaniment edition. I trust, O Lord, your holy name. Pastor Mark Smith, is it a hymn that you've used very often? No, I can't say I have, Tom. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a good hymn, but I'm just not familiar with the, the melody. And you know me, I, I hesitate to use a hymn if I don't know the melody. Right. Yes, and uh, we were unable to find it on any of the CDs we had. So we're unable to play it, but it's uh, a, a hymn of five stanzas, the last one with a triangle. What does that mean? That means it's a, a doxological verse. That is, it has all three persons of the Trinity uh, mentioned, and uh, so we stand for that verse, that stanza. Exactly. Were you surprised to learn that Catherine Winkworth was the yeah. individual? Well, in a way, no. She's she has translated so many wonderful hymns. I'll tell you that. Bless her heart. I'll tell you what. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look her up. I'm just so amazed at all the translations of hymns she's done. Yes, and they're very good translations too, as close to the original as possible. So, without further ado, would you please read stanza one? I trust, O Lord, your holy name. O let me not be put to shame, nor let me be confounded. My faith, O Lord, be in your word, forever firmly grounded. Now, what he asked for is that he would not be put to shame. I'm not really sure what he's referring to because many Christians are put to shame. Jesus was crucified. Isn't that being put to shame? What does he mean well, by that? Hmm, I don't know. I, I trust, I uh, was concentrating more on the word be confounded. What did he mean by be confounded? I think that means to to be upset or, or confused, uh, to lose my basis for trust. That's That's the way I interpret that. 
but uh, oh, let me not be put to shame. Well, uh, I think I think we all feel that way. I mean, who wants to who wants to be terribly disgraced, uh, especially before other people? Um, we want to yes. have our trust. You know, we, no. Who of us wants to wants to uh, let our faith be exposed as being nothing or or so little? Uh, who who wants to be exposed as being a, a hypocrite? Let's say. Or yes. to not have faith at all. I think that do not let me be confounded is followed up by how you are not confounded. Right. What My faith, O oh Lord, be in your word. Yes. Yes. That he wants to be in your word forever firmly grounded. Right. Now, at that time, of course... There were two opponents to Lutheran theology. There was the papacy, and of course, there was the Reformed Church. Right. That didn't believe in the Lord's Supper, for example, things like that. And so you could understand how people can be confounded because they're listening to pastors who are not clear about the Word of God. Yeah, you so don't want to – go ahead. This being confounded means that we're put to shame, I understand it, by not believing the Word of God. And look at how many pastors we know of. I've been watching uh, – you know me, I like movies and uh, watching them on uh, various channels – and every time there's a preacher and they show him preaching, <laughs> yeah, he's always preaching the law. Yeah. Or or like, it's just or it's just pious platitudes, one or the other. Yes. And that's how people get confounded. When they hear from the pulpit that it's gonna make a difference whether you go to heaven or not on the basis of your works. The last movie I was looking at, the pastor was talking about sinful adultery and just gave the impression that anyone who commits that is definitely going to hell. And so we have to change our behavior so we go to heaven. How does that confound people? Oh, it, confu- it confuses law and gospel. I mean, people think that people think that uh, uh, because they've done a terrible sin that they are eternally doomed. No, it's 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 faith is what saves us. Christ has already washed away all of our sins, our most our most scarlet, our most deepest, darkest secret sins have all been washed away already in our baptism. And, well said. Uh, yeah, you know, so we're so now we want to repent, of course, and and we want good preaching to bring us to our knees and to make us realize that apart from Christ we are lost and condemned creatures. But we want to hear we want to hear also the the, the precious gospel that lifts us off our knees, and and uh, that's that's what we want to have ringing in our ears when we walk out of church on Sunday morning. We know we're terrible, we know we're terrible sinners, but thanks God. 
for Jesus Christ, who's washed away all of our sins in his holy, precious blood. You've made the point another time that a Christian takes joy in confessing their sins. Why is that? Well, because uh, we're, we're, we're confessing our sins, and we're, it's like that other hymn, I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. He takes them all and frees us from the accursed load. Yes. So we take joy in confessing our sins, as you said, because we know what's coming after. Right. And that's the absolution by the pastor who is really speaking the word of God to us. That's right. Uh, All right, I'll read stanza two. Okay. Talking to God. Bow down your gracious ear to me and hear my cry, my prayer, my plea. Make haste for my protection. For woes and fear surround me here. Help me in my affliction. Now, what is meant that woes and fear surround us here? Well, let's be mindful of the Old Testament reading for this coming Sunday, where, where this hymn is, uh, is uh, applied. Uh, you know, think of Jacob. Jacob is about to, uh, he's about to meet up with his, uh, his brother again, who uh, and last, the last time he saw him, his brother was out to kill him. And he, he, he hears that his brother is coming after him with 400 men. And, uh, you know, he's and he and he wrestles with this nighttime visitor who, of course, is the pre-incarnate Christ. And uh, he holds on to him. And uh, I will not let you go unless you unless you bless me. And so uh, it's it's that's the way this this hymn is. I, I and hear my cry, my prayer, my plead, make haste for my protection. For woes and fears surround me here. Help me in my affliction. That's like Jacob begging, uh, begging that nighttime wrestler, our dear pre-incarnate Lord Jesus, to 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 help him in his dire time of need and to protect his family. I also believe that this really fits with the gospel, because the gospel talks about a judge who neither fears God nor respects man. And there was a widow who keeps coming to him and bothering him on injustice against my adversary. And for a while he refused, but then he said, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continually coming. Yes. And so the Lord compares God with the unrighteous judge, but it's quite different because he says, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily yeah and so this really fits also with this hymn right 
Well, there's always, you know, I've been told there's always a connection between the Old Testament reading and the gospel each Sunday. There's always a connection there, and you're right. Don't you think that's kind of a strange comparison for our Lord to make, though, really, when you think about it? I mean, of course God is not like this corrupt judge that, you know, that neither respects man nor, nor fears God. God is not like that way. I guess it's just kind of a strange comparison. <laughs> He's not at all that way. He is very quick to answer our prayers. I think what Jesus is saying, that is the perspective of many Christians. I began a yeah. sermon recently, and I asked them, can you think of the last time when you prayed to God and he did not give you an answer? Yeah. And there were a number of people who had ideas. And I later explained that they thought they weren't being heard because the answer they were looking for was not what they had received. Yeah. I think you're right. God was not hearing them. I think you're right, and you know, and uh, Jesus tells us, you know, you don't, you don't have to pray repetitively, you know, like some, like some uh, Christian bodies teach, you know, they, they mouth the prayer again and again and again and again. It's repet- pure repetition. That's, you know, that's not needed uh, with our Lord. He's happy. He is most happy to answer our prayers. Exactly. He, in fact, he wants us to come to him. Yeah, I make a distinction between two kinds of prayers. The one is when you're praying for something he has promised. Then you don't add on if it be your will because he's promised it. The other kind of prayer is when you're praying for something that for which there is no promise in the Bible. And therefore, he makes a decision that is always best for us but he still answers it, but maybe not in the way that we expected it, but in a better way. You're right. If it's for spiritual blessings, we don't even have to add that little, if it be thy will. We know it's his will for, for spiritual strength, for forgiveness of sins, uh, for aid in sharing the gospel. Those things are absolutely his will. But you're right. If we're praying for Oh, God, give me a new motorcycle, or uh, God, give me a better-paying job. We always, you know, these temporal blessings, as we call them, earthly blessings, we should always pray, if it be thy will, Lord, because he knows what's best for us. Yeah, even a spiritual blessing. For example, when I was at the SEM, I took a graduate year past our four years because I was hoping to be called as a professor. I got called to a congregation near the seminary, and that became the occasion when many of the students and professors walked out and became seminics. And the present president, Dr. Charlemagne, wanted me to become a professor there, but when they voted on the board of control at that time, there was a, a man who felt that I had just taken a call to this other congregation and it would be unfair to call me as a professor. And so they didn't call me. I, I lost by one vote. But look what God has done with the radio ministry. He had other 
ideas in mind that I think gave me a, a greater opportunity to share the message with a lot more people in 25 years on just radio station KFUO. And think of all the good that you did at St. James Lutheran Church, too, Tom. Right. Yeah, I was there 28 years. Yeah. And so, yeah, and really enjoyed that congregation. All right. If you would read stanza three. You are my strength, my shield, my rock, my fortress that withstands each shock. May my help... My life, my tower, my battle sword, Almighty Lord, who can resist your power? That's uh, shades of a mighty fortress is our God, isn't it? It's a good Reformation hymn. Yes. And notice stanza three is filled with metaphors. Yes. Um, I've been reading a book on metaphors in the Bible. And it's very, very interesting because the same word can be a metaphor with opposite meanings. For example, we're talking about an anchor in a ship. And somebody asked me, why do you have such a good marriage? And I would say, because I have a wife who is my anchor. On the other hand, if I'm having a terrible marriage, somebody may ask, what's wrong with your marriage? And I would say, well, my wife is an anchor. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Right? Yeah, it can, it can work both ways, right? <laughs> yeah, it can be, and, a, it can be a, a good stabilizer, but it can also weigh us down. <laughs> And that's why this verse has so many metaphors. It's shield, rock, fortress, my new tower. You know, that's where the battles take place. Right. My battle sword, almighty Lord, who can resist your power? So that's why, as you mentioned, in a mighty fortress is our God that particular metaphor shows that we are housed in the Holy Christian Church and we have nothing to fear from the world. Okay. Uh, I'll read stanza four. Okay. With you, O Lord, I cast my lot. O faithful God, Forsake me not, to you my soul commending. Lord, be my stay and lead the way, now and when life is ending. Now, that prayer is really a prayer based on the promises that are found in the Bible. Right. That God is faithful and he will stay with me, commending my soul. What does commending my soul mean? Well, let's see. Um, 
when Jesus, the last, one of the last words Jesus says, uh, he says, I, I, I commit my spirit. Uh, when he, he gives up the ghost, as it says, he, uh, he, uh, into thy hands, I commit my, into thy hands. That's right. Yes. I couldn't, I had a blank there into thy hands. I commit my, is it command or commit? Which one is it? Command or commit? What? Uh, it's commit in the English, but commend could also be a proper translation. Right. Because he says to the thief on the cross, what? This very day you'll be with me in paradise. Yes. Very, very important way to understand that. Uh, Roman Catholics who believe in purgatory don't believe that the thief would go to heaven immediately. So they say, and Jesus said, today I'm telling you, you will be with me in paradise sometime in the future. Oh, no, he boy. doesn't say that. Yeah, yeah that's what does a, he say? What a shame to uh, to withdraw the comfort of that verse. I mean, to undermine it. Uh, he, he says, this very day, truly, truly, I say unto you, this very day you'll be with me in paradise. And it's really something a lot of Christians don't recognize because on Easter Sunday, what rose from the dead? Jesus. Not quite. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because um, he already well, was he in bodily, on Friday. He, he bodily arose from the dead on Easter Sunday, but he... Uh, he descended into hell. Right. But that was in his bodily resurrection. Right. So okay. he really had ascended into heaven on Good Friday with the thief. But right. it was not the body of the thief that was raised on Easter Sunday. Right. He's going to have to wait until Judgment Day. Yeah. And that's when his body will rise from the dead. Yeah. So Jesus, as you often say, is always God. So if you would read the last stanza, which has that triangle in front of it. Okay. All honor, praise, and majesty to Father, Son, and Spirit be our God forever glorious, in whose rich grace we run our race till we depart victorious. Now notice that his rich grace does not begin on the day of judgment. When would we say that we begin to run our race in his rich grace? Well, I, even now. But what initiates it? Uh, I would say our, our baptism. Exactly. Well said. In baptism, we get two promises, both the gift of the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And can that even come to an infant? Yes, of course. Right. Even though that infant can't literally or, or physically run, his, his, his eternal life begins with baptism. Yes. 
I once asked a mother who did not believe in infant baptism because she says a baby can't have faith at that age. And I said, okay, that child was born to you. How long did it take for the child to trust you? Yeah, right. And That's right. And it only took a, a few hours. Yeah. Because she would cuddle the child, feed the child, etc., and that's how the child was comforted. And children realize that. That's right. It, it really shows how important parents are to children. That yeah. they need to take care of them. And that is why one of the most important things you can do is start teaching them Luther's small catechism. I always begin with the Lord's Prayer for a little child, but we're also praying at meals. Did you have any special prayer at meals for your children? Oh, yes. Well, the old traditional one, come Lord Jesus, be our guest, and let thy gifts to us be blessed. Amen. Yes. And we would explain that, yes, Maybe dad worked at a job and got money. Maybe mom went to the store and bought the food, etc. But the one who really put the food on the table is none other than God himself, who takes care of us as he has promised. And so that's why this hymn, the title is really important. I trust, O Lord, your holy name. Now, how would you explain that to a child? How do you trust God's holy name? Well, of course, uh, baptism is another is another uh, teachable moment there. When in baptism, God places His name upon us, His His triune name, and uh, and we trust Him implicitly in that promise of baptism. Yes, there are a lot of metaphors for the name of Jesus. Concordia Publishing House uh, had a sign with all the names, like he is Savior, yes. he is Redeemer. To trust that as his name, all those shepherd. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those are very important. And that's why this hymn is a great hymn. Well, thank you, Pastor Mark Smith, for working with us in this hymn, I Trust, O Lord, Your Holy Name. And on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll talk about in Proverbs how we trust that name and why we trust that name. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. 
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.